Cody Jinks kicking things off for us on SCI's Home Star Outdoor Show. Cable Smith here with you as always. Thanks so much for being here, sharing a part of your week with me as we've got a great show lined up for you. This is episode 551. Can't believe it's been nearly, well, in November, it'll have been a dozen years. Uh, so time flies when you're having fun, and we're certainly going to do that this morning. We've got a great show lined up for you, and I'm not going to waste any time today. So, you know what to do by now. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat-up old Stanley Thermos, the green one that your granddad passed down years ago, because we're ready to rock and roll. And uh, off the top, some interesting stuff coming from, well, Congress, namely... Uh, but the American Sport Fishing Association is all over it. And so the uh, Southern, uh, maybe it's the Gulf of Mexico. I don't know. We'll get her title here in a second. Uh, actually, here it is. Uh, Kelly is the Southeast Fisheries Policy Director for the American Sport Fishing Association. Anyway, Congress has advanced a bill called the Descend Act, which ultimately will benefit the reef species that we value so much in the Gulf of Mexico. Red snapper, amberjack, uh, tuna species, blackfin, yellowfin, um, all that stuff that you would catch in depths of 50 plus feet of water, which is any reef, you know, essentially outside of nine nautical miles, so outside of state waters. But the Descend Act would require a special device that would ultimately decrease dead loss or bycatch loss, unintended species that were caught. Well, you bring them up from the depths and their swim bladder gets inflated. They ultimately can't make it back down to the depth that they came out of. Makes them an easy target for predatory fish. And oftentimes they just end up dying and floating away anyway. So, yep, Kelly will be here to break down the Descend Act which still needs to get through the Senate and onto the president's desk. Um, but I think it's a very important piece of legislation. And she'll give us some hard numbers, too. We're talking about millions of pounds of dead loss and waste that still goes into the quota each year. Uh, then, <laughs> we've got a, a special guest for us today. It makes me laugh just thinking about Rock House. Uh, but Roland Welker, Season 7 a lone winner, hit show on uh, the History Channel. He will be here to discuss winning a million dollars by making it 100 days in the Arctic winter all by himself. Um, he had a big game kill. He ate all sorts of nasty stuff. He built a structure like no one has ever seen on the series. And you couple those things with his lifetime of knowledge of basically I'm not going to say he's a hermit, but you want to talk about someone that's been off the grid on purpose, living off the land. Yeah, that's Roland Welker. And so uh, I'm excited to have him join the show today, kind of get 
a behind-the-scenes look at what it was like being on a loan and walking away with a million bucks. So Roland will be here, excited about that. Um, that's what's on the show for today. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great show. And uh, hopefully, at its conclusion, you guys will look back and say the same thing. Let's do a quick giveaway. How about something big today? Let's give away a Stealth Cam Fusion. This is their latest uh, trail camera, wireless trail camera. It will send pics directly to your app. And uh, it's so easy. You just scan the code with your phone and it picks up the camera. I mean, literally, the most user-friendly cell camera and app system that I've come across. We're going to give one away today. Just email the word Fusion, or the Stealth Cam Fusion, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered. Let's take a break. Up next, Kelly Ralston of the American Sport Fishing Association drops by. You're listening to the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Hey guys, Cable here for Coon Stopper. If you're tired of losing corn or protein to those pesky raccoons, well, here's your solution. If you're running a traditional feeder that has, you know, those long legs that coons like to climb up and rob you blind, well, you just attach the Coon Stopper to each leg. It's so easy. I just put one on a 300-pound all-seasons feeder, and <laughs> the results speak for themselves. Coons don't like it. They basically attempt one time, realize that it hurts, and they're done. Throw in the towel, just like that. It's the Coon Stopper, and you can find it at alamooutdoorworld.com. Hi, Brett Jepson here with Three Curl Lease Connection. I'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of Texas' best dove hunting just minutes outside of Dallas. We have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season, including milo, wheat, sunflower, and cornfields. Leases come in different sizes and prices, so we can fit anyone's budget. We have the lease that's perfect for you and your group. We don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property, and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come. Please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings. That's T-H-R-E-E-C-U-R-L.com. Texas Premium Power Sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. Mother, Mother Ocean, I have heard you call. Wanted to sail upon your waters since I was three feet tall. You've seen it all. You've seen it all. Little Jimmy Buffett for you today. That one uh, puts me in the mood to head to the coast, no doubt about it. I'm Cable Smith, and this is SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thanks for being here. We've got uh, an interesting conversation to get into concerning our coastal fisheries with American Sport Fishing Association Southeastern uh, Fisheries Policy Director Kelly Ralston. But before we dive into that, this segment is brought to you by... All seasons feeders and blinds. If you haven't seen the 600 pound stand and fill, most people have at this point, but 
Here's why you need it. Because ladders suck. Backing your truck up to your feeder sucks. Yeah, you don't need to do that anymore. You can just stand there and dump your feed directly into the feeder. You're Boom, you're ready. Deer, hogs, on the way. You're ready to hunt. It's the 600-pound stand and fill. You can find it at allseasonsfeeders.com. Also available in 300-pound model uh, as well. Uh, all right. Well, let's bring her on right now. Joining us from, I believe, somewhere in Florida, it is my pleasure to welcome American Sport Fishing Association's Kelly Ralston to the show. Thanks for the invitation. Happy to be here. It is my pleasure. So, first of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about the American Sport Fishing Association? I get email updates from you guys frequently, and uh, one came across the other day that I found very interesting. But for our audience that isn't familiar with you guys, um, give us a rundown. Happy to. Um, yeah, so we are the trade association for the sport fishing industry. So that's anywhere from, um, you know, actual rod and reel manufacturers to, um, you know, accessories, um, clothing. We also have um, conservation groups that are members of our association. So it's really wide ranging. Um, we uh, host ICAST, which is the world's largest sport fishing trade show in Been Orlando. Been to it, yeah. Yeah, every July. So we're looking forward to being back in person in Orlando um, come July 2021. And besides ICAST, the other um, big service that we offer to our members has to do with government affairs and looking at everything from trade issues to conservation issues, fishery issues, water quality, all of those types of things. Um, we head up both at the national level as well as even the regional and state and local level if, ne if necessary. So. Mm -hmm. That's us. And, and what do you do at ASA? I am the Southeast Fisheries Policy Director, so I cover all of those issues, um, mainly within the state of Florida, but also regionally from Texas all the way around to North Carolina um, through the Gulf of Mexico Fishery Management Council, South Atlantic Fishery Management Council, and then, like I said, water quality and, and other conservation issues that pop up along the way. So you're probably... Um friendly with Robin Rikers? Uh-huh, I was. I actually was on a call with his staff last week. So yeah, yeah Robin and I uh, get along pretty well. Yeah, he's uh, he's been on the show many times as we have covered what I think is the most controversial issue concerning saltwater angling, and that's our, our red snapper fishery and, and how we manage that. Um, and so we've talked a great deal about red snapper specifically over the years. And, you know, recreational anglers have really gotten the shaft by and large as commercial fishing operations get seem to get the lion's share of available quotas. And the positive thing is, you know, in the last probably three years, we've seen like a, I think, a, the trend reversing and, and more opportunity. I mean, like there was one year Texas had a one-week red snapper season um, yeah. off Texas waters. You know, it's just like, God, it's ridiculous. So, and, you know. Agreed. There's been a lot going into that. I was going to add, there was actually um, a really interesting headline that came out last week. I don't know if you saw it on the preliminary results of the Great Red Snapper Count, uh -huh. um, which show, are showing that we potentially have three times more red snapper in the Gulf than previously um, thought. And that study was the result of a $10 million appropriation from Senator Richard Shelby out of um, Alabama, and it's been it's an independent abundance survey headed up by the Heart Institute out of Texas, and uh, yeah, so we're excited to see those actual numbers and 
hoping to be able to translate that into some additional access for sure. Yeah. Well, and every angler and conservationist would always probably err on the side of caution. We don't want to overfish things, but at the same time, they want a fair shake, you know. Um, Absolutely. And a one-week season is, is laughable. So glad that that's in the past. And uh, that would be great if we really did have three times as many red snapper as we, we believe. So um, certainly, you know, I, I always equate it to this analogy is when I go offshore, it seems like every year we catch bigger snapper and we catch them faster than we did the year before. So yeah. There seem to be plenty of fish. That's that's a good sign for sure. Yeah. And um, and state management has played into a lot of that access that you've been talking about is increasing over the last few years as well. Yeah. Um, which has been great that that each of the states can really tailor what what their anglers want and need um, for their fisheries. So oh. we've been excited to support that as well. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, it's it's the 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 fact is that these snapper don't migrate from. Texas, you know, even though you have, what is it, nine nautical miles for state water, mm -hmm. but yeah. once you get outside of that, those fish are still pretty much residents of a reef system, and they're not traveling from Texas to Florida. So to, to manage it all as one population, and Robin and I have, have talked about that in length over the years, it just seems, it seems um, ridiculous, to be frank. Yeah, it's nice to have some regional flexibility for yeah, sure, and yeah. I think it's a, a really smart approach in this situation where each of the states has, you know, just really different um, angler needs and populations as well as snapper populations, and so I think this is a good has been a good approach and and a good um, run over the last what four years now. I think we're into this, so mm -hmm. um, I think folks have been very pleased with what's come out of that. Yeah, well, something positive that going back to the email that you guys uh, sent me um, last week, the house stepped up and in an effort to help conserve our reef fish, not just red snapper, although they probably stand to benefit the most. Um, but they signed off on a, it's called the uh, descending device bill. And I found this very interesting. Can you break this down for us? What it is exactly and, and what it means for, um, offshore anglers going forward? Yeah, so I think one of the big issues that we have for reef fish species in the Gulf, um, you know, that we haven't been able to really address fully is this, this issue of barotrauma. And so when you bring a fish up from depth, 50 feet or more typically, um, and they're showing signs of barotrauma, which is due to a change in um, gas pressure as you bring them up, They'll have bulging eyes or their stomach protruding out of their mouth or um, intestinal bloating, those, those sorts of things. And they can't swim back down to the depth that they were caught at. Mm -hmm. When that happens, a lot of those fish die. Um, and so we, uh, along with Congressman Graves um, and Huffman and Palazzo, worked really hard on this idea of how can we better address that issue in the Gulf of Mexico in particular. And so out of that came the DESCEND Act, which is a really, it's a short acronym for a really long name um, that if you're interested in is available online, um, mm -hmm. that would require um, the possession of a venting tool or a descending device to be rigged and ready on board for use by anybody fishing for reef fish species in the Gulf of Mexico. And this was something that the council had, the Gulf of Mexico Fishery Management Council had looked at making mandatory, um, but they had some concerns um, over how that might impact some oil spill money that was 
in the in the pipe to be able to be distributed for descending device and looking at best fishing practices across the Gulf. So this bill kind of addresses both of those issues. Um, it removes kind of the problem, um, the, con the potential conflict with that um, funding source, and then also would make it mandatory, like I said, to have them, have them on board and rigged and ready for use. So is this the swim bladder? I mean, when we've caught snapper before, sometimes they're, you know, their swim bladder, I think it is, is like bloated or sticking out. Is that what? Or it is absolutely it... is that. Okay. Yeah, and so when you bring them up, they're basically floating, almost like a balloon, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so you have to be able to, to get them back down to the depth at which they were caught at, and that's either um, that either happens by releasing the pressure, like with a venting tool, or you actually would use almost like a hollow um, needle mm -hmm. um, to, to poke into the swim bladder and release the pressure, and then they can swim back down on their own. Or you could use a descending device, um, which is there, there's multiple types of descending devices. There's lip clamps. There's what they call fish elevators um, that take the fish back down to that depth, which relieves the pressure. So there's kind of the two options there. Um, in fact, venting tools were mandatory in the Gulf up until probably about five or six years ago. Mm -hmm. um, and they rescinded that requirement because there were some concerns about if it was mandatory, were people doing it correctly? Because if you don't use a venting tool correctly, you can cause a lot of damage to the fish. Right. Um, so that's why we have the, the option to either have the descending device or the venting tools. Because for a lot of like the charter and com commercial guys, they're really quick with a venting tool. They do it a lot. And they're very accurate and precise with it, whereas anglers may may or may not be and may be more comfortable with the descending device. Well, anyone who's had to, you know, release a fish that was brought up from 50 plus feet, when you when you release them and it's not done correctly, it's like a feeding frenzy for barracudas and yes. sharks. Exactly. In fact, there was an interesting study that came out um, earlier this year looking at um, depredation, which is what we would call that, where yeah. another fish is eating the fish you've got on your line, um, using descending devices, because there's been some conversation, um, folks were concerned about using a descending device and that the fish were getting eaten on the way up. And in fact, it was actually the opposite issue with the depredation that's happening in the Gulf has definitely increased, um, I think, over the last several years. But there's been several presentations on dolphins and sharks eating them. And so when they're when the fish is floating around and not able to to move very well on its own, um, that certainly makes them more susceptible. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, the obvious question is how expensive are these? Yeah. A venting tool, venting tool. Um, I don't think is very expensive. Expensive. That one I don't actually have a price on because I've never purchased one myself, but you can use any sort of a, um, a hollow needle. You could use, um, it basically has to be a sharpened hollow instrument. Yeah. So you don't want to use a knife or an ice pick or something like that. Um, very inexpensive. As far as descending devices go, they can be almost free. Um, you know, if you do have a do it yourself when there's lots of YouTube videos on how to do that. Um, the most expensive ones are still under $100, and I think you could probably get one easily between $20 to $50 or $60. So, so this is very easy and expensive, by and large, I mean. Exactly. For somebody who's already invested in going offshore fishing, um, it's, a, it's a very um, minimal. If you have $600 for diesel, one. yes, it's uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, exactly. offshore fishing is not a uh, an inexpensive hobby, and the same thing for the commercial fishermen. I mean, um, they're they're spending a lot of money on fuel too. So, 
it's uh it's a no brainer if it's going to help the fishery uh and and it's not just red snapper i mean any any fish caught out of season or or accidentally you know um mm-hmm. you know amberjack seasons that's another one that commonly gets caught whenever uh people are targeting red snapper and sometimes those seasons don't line up um cohesively so that's one that i know we've had to release quite a bit um but they are delicious. We always be like, man, this sucks. We have to let this one go. But <laughs> <laughs> well, and I think to your earlier point, um, it's just it's a responsible thing to do, right? It's it's good fisheries conservation. Um, Absolutely. And I think anglers in particular are really concerned about that. Um, looking at numbers, um, I think some of the numbers that um, have been put together as far as the, like pounds of discarded fish, and this would be recreational and commercial an average over a four-year period um, would be almost 3 million pounds Mm. um, of dead discarded fish. And so when you compare that to the the whole annual catch limit for 2020 was 15 million pounds, it's significant. And so whatever we can do to reduce that. So a fifth, I mean, that's. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So whatever we can help, whatever we can do to help reduce that not only helps the stocks, but eventually the hope is that um, it could lead to some additional harvest opportunities um, because we're putting what were counted against us as dead discards back into the population as live fish. So mm-hmm. um, you know, there's kind of there's a, an, up, an upside all the way around, I think, um, yeah. in these devices. Well, and I think the goal as a, as a father should be, you know, let's leave it better than than we had it. Um, so exactly. I, I hope that my kiddos get to enjoy that great red snapper fishery and this this seems just like a so, such an easy thing to do and in, you know inexpensive as well um it's made it through the house what is the next mm-hmm. step yeah so um it has been assigned to committee in the senate um we have senator cassidy from louisiana and senator jones and senator cornyn have also signed on as co-sponsors um, so it needs a hearing in the Commerce Committee and then to the floor in the Senate. But the fact that we've built this momentum in the House is a, a really positive sign, and we're hopeful to be able to see it through to the finish line before the end of this Congress um, later this year. So fingers crossed. Awesome, awesome. So no noticeable opposition um, should, no, should be good No, in fact, to go. this has been yeah, this has been one that um, has either had a neutral response or. Um, or significant support actually um, from the recreational uh, community in particular. So um, the fact that we don't have a lot of active opposition um, is a positive sign and a sign that everybody wants to do what's right for this fishery. So we're excited and and hopeful that we can build on that momentum and and get this one um, out of the Senate. Absolutely. Well, so if folks want to learn more about the ASA, um, I don't know, is it a, is it a membership based organization or typically businesses so it's not like cca where like individuals would come mm-hmm. and become members but they're certainly welcome to um to take a look at, at all of the resources that we have on our website at asafishing.org um there's keep america fishing uh, uh advocacy group is uh, one of our uh, ways that we push out information to folks and they are certainly welcome to sign up for those alerts to find out um, you know, what issues um, they can engage in and how to contact their congressional representatives um, to, to move legislation forward and just kind of be aware of issues that are affecting them. So that's all on the asafishing.org 
website. Um, and okay. we would love to have them sign up and, and, and get those alerts. Perfect. Well, hey, Kelly, I certainly have enjoyed the conversation today. I look forward to uh, those continued email alerts that I get from you guys, keeping me informed, and, and uh, thanks for jumping on today. My pleasure. Appreciate you reaching out. Thanks so much. All right. American Sport Fishing Association's Kelly Ralston. Great stuff there. A big fan of the Descend Act. Why wouldn't you be, right? I mean, you heard how many millions of pounds of bycatch and just dead loss we experience in the Gulf of Mexico every year, which by and large, a lot of is red snapper. I mean, come on. There's no reason not to use a simple uh, venting tool or descending device to try to reverse that alarming trend. Uh, So great stuff there from Kelly. And hopefully that bill will work its way through uh, the Senate and then onto the president's desk. So we can get that thing signed into law. Uh, That segment of the show brought to you by John X Safaris. The date is July 24th through the 31st, 2021. If you want to be a part of, well, that'll be the fifth trip with John X by then because we're going in February as well. But still spots available for February and the July trip. So two trips. Got two spots left for February and I think three for July. If you want to be a part of an epic safari, whether you want to hunt planes game, dangerous game, or anything in between, John X can facilitate whatever you want. It's going to be on South Africa's beautiful Eastern Cape. You fly into Port Elizabeth, just a stunning area of South Africa, and uh, love to have you join. Shoot me an email, LoneStarOutdoorsShow at gmail.com. We'll be right back with the History Channel's alone season seven winner, Roland Welker, right here on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. The evolution of thermal technology is something that keeps getting better and better and becomes more cost effective for the consumer. And the new Pulsar Helion 2.0 set the gold standard when it comes to thermal monoculars. It's what I've taken everywhere from the backcountry to just walking into a tree stand so that you don't blow out that wary old doe. It's going to give you up to that trophy buck, right? Uh, but it's the uh, the Helion 2.0. It's got the incredible color palette options, user-friendly interface, internal recording, and get this, you'll save 20% off any Pulsar thermal or night vision monocular or binos when you use my promo code Lone Star underscore PL. That's Lone Star underscore PL when you check out at PulsarNV.com. Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. 
Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. I can be high, wild, and free Where the Mackenzie's meet the heavens You can hike through God's out of street Where the dog sheep have dominion From a throne at 8,000 feet Cable Smith, welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. That's high, wild, and free from Chad Slagle. Great tune there. Uh, thank you guys for being here today. It is a treat to be talking outdoors with you. And we've got a... Uh, what I think is a, a special guest lined up for you here. And, and let me be very clear. If you haven't seen, uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen season seven of Alone, you don't want to tune into this interview. If you're, pl- well, maybe you do. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you're going to watch it anyway, as all seven seasons are available um, on the uh, History Channel's website. But uh, we're about to visit with season seven winner Roland Felker, who took home the $1 million first prize after making it the entire 100 days during the Arctic Challenge. That's right, 100 days got him $1 million. And it wasn't easy, but uh, you could tell from pretty early on that if there was someone who was cut out for it, uh, it was, you know, of the 10 contestants, it it was likely Roland. Uh, so he's going to jump on here uh, momentarily. First, however, this segment... Brought to you by SCI, the leader in big game conservation. Um, they've been doing this for almost 50 years now, guys. So a rich tradition steeped in conservation and hunters' rights. I'm excited to be working with them. And if you'd like to become a member, just go to safariclub.org for more information. All right. Let's bring him on right now. (laughs) I'm a big fan of Alone, the series, and specifically Season 7. Truly awesome. It is my pleasure to welcome Roland Welker to the show. Thanks for having me. It is a pleasure. So uh, where in the world are you joining us from today? Oh, I'm at just one of my line camps all over the nation. (laughs) I get around, you know. And I'm following the rut south. I don't want to give away my hunting spot. Oh, sure, sure. But you're you are a professional guide in Alaska. Mm. Absolutely. Been registered guide in Alaska now for must be fifteen years or so. Okay. Yep, doing pretty good up there. And so do you have your own outfit or do you uh work for somebody else or No, I, I, I'm registered guide and that allows me to deal with the public and have my own outfit. I, I did a, a few years as assistant guide uh-huh. for Wayne Woods. He's a he's a pretty well-known master guide up there. And I did a few years for Crescent Lake Lodge owned by Doug Carney. Okay. Learned a lot from those men. But then I, uh, I was younger then. And, you know, as I got older, I thought, hey, I think I can just go ahead and go for this. I went and took all the testing. And that was... That was a uh, pretty pretty intense. You know, Alaska has the most stringent guiding laws on the books, and mm-hmm. and, and their licensing process is pretty intense. Well, so if somebody wanted to book a hunt with you, how would they find you? 
You can go to my website, www.rollingwelker.com, and then on there, you know, look around and make some inquiries. You got to leave me your phone number, and I'll call you. That's pretty much how you. Right. And what a hunt with me? What species are you guiding for in Alaska? Doll sheep, bull moose, grizzly bear, black bear, little bit caribou. And which one is your favorite? Man, that's a tough question. Pretty hard to beat sheep hunting. I consider the doll sheep the ultimate North America trophy, mm-hmm. and I'm 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 still doing that full bore strong at age 48. <laughs> right down them big mountains. Yeah, man, I tell you, I've never had the pleasure of sheep hunting. It's uh, a little out of my price range at this point. But uh, we do have all dead. You and I were talking off the air about. Someday maybe you make it down to Texas and, and guiding hunts here. That would be one that you would, I think, uh, find, you know, like poor man sheep hunting. Um, that. It, it still lives in those, you know, hard to get to places that no other species really wants to, to tackle. Um, and uh, and they're a lot of fun to hunt. It can be very challenging as well. I, I, I quiz a lot of my clients that have Texas experience, and some of them are Texicans themselves, and, and I, I am uh, very interested in Texas. I, I think that state is, I think, a lot of good things about Texas for many reasons. And, yes, I've heard the audad is kind of challenging. Yeah, yeah. Uh, far shots a lot of times, for sure. Yeah, they won't let you near them. I've heard that. I've yeah. heard that. Yeah, I, I'm, I want to come down and get in on the audad thing. <laughs> So how often do you actually get to hunt for yourself? Man, by the time I'm done guiding, I just, I, I don't shoot a whole lot of stuff for myself no more. I, I don't want it, it, to, I want to go shoot rabbits and catch a fish when I'm on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't actually winter in Red Devil. You kind of follow the uh, the rut south, um, do a little whitetail hunting even in Mississippi, guiding the whole way down. Um, but I imagine that, you know, spending so much time in Alaska in that harsh environment, especially as it's starting to get cold, it probably prepared you for an Arctic winter uh, on season seven of alone, more so than the other nine contestants, I'd imagine. It, it was a benefit, my uh, Arctic experience for sure. And I do still spend extensive time in Alaska. I'm an Alaska resident. I vote in Alaska. Uh-huh. All that I have to, I you know, I, I got to stay up there so many days out of the year in order to maintain that residency. But yes, I do like to get around and and uh, hunt other species as well. So I, I mean, I, I am far from done with Alaska. That's where I live, and I still play around up there in the winter. I just trapped not too long ago. Before I trapped the year before I went into a. Uh, alone and uh that that arctic live the, the my winters spent out there in wall tent and shacks and little wee cabins have probably given me an edge for sure yeah well you're you're kind of a self-described isolationist you you took out on your own pretty early in life and uh it seems like the bush is is your home and alone therefore a natural fit um how did you, first of all, though, how did you become aware of the show? I, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't do a whole lot of TV. I don't got nothing against TV and I actually love watching TV, but cause, cause there's so many cool channels, you know, the outdoor channel and grit and 
Yeah. You know, there, there, there's a lot of great stuff on TV, um, RFD, but, uh, but I don't get around TV a lot. So my clients would show up seven years ago. My clients started telling me about this show hmm. alone and, and what all it involved. And, you know, my client, I get a lot of repeat business. You hunt with me once. If you got another Alaska trip in your future, chances are you're coming with me. And, um, so, so a lot of these guys become buddies and, and they're all telling me, man, you got to go do that. And I told them all the same thing. I know it would take somebody with computer skills to get me in there through the application <laughs> process, you know, uh-huh. and I have zero in that. I don't, I've never run a computer in my life. I don't, I barely can run a phone. I, I, <laughs> I ran flip phone right up until I came out of a loan. I got my first big screen telephone just now yeah already smashed one but um so so nobody oh and i told them all get me in there i'll win it oh yeah we'll do that well i mean it was a lot of work getting in nobody did it finally my sister megan francis took the time to get me through the application process which i ain't even gonna get into it was but it was extensive Uh and and you know god bless her she got me in there and and Thank God I won, you know. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Well, of your 10 items you took, as each contestant gets to do off of a, a pre-approved list, was there one that you didn't depend on looking back, like maybe you thought you would, and w- that you would therefore, if you could go back, replace it with something else? No. Nope. I, I, I put a lot of thought in that list and uh, went back and forth on that right up until I went in, and I actually took uh, enough items with me that that uh I, I could make a last minute decision and and i i put a lot of effort into my 10 item list no no i am mm-hmm. happy with my picks so structure is a vital part of succeeding not just on a loan but for any prolonged period in the wild um especially in harsh conditions one must have shelter and your structure you coined rock house it was yeah. like it was like no other structure we've seen on a loan. Um, were you always planning on a rock structure, or did that just strike you once you see that you saw that spot and were like, mm, "This is what we're going to do"? Yeah, rock. No, I had not planned on rock. Nope. Uh, but as as I was casting around for a place to to dig in, so to speak, rock just sort of came to me, and I went with it. And it paid off big time. But my plan always was mega structure. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I felt that you had to have this. This was the hundred day challenge. Hundred yeah. days is just damn near a third of a year. So I, I know it would take a big structure, and and I I do think that they'll have a hard time finding somebody to to build another rock house or any or its equivalent. Well, you know, from a viewer standpoint, it was it was concerning watching the caloric output that it took to construct that beast of a, of a structure. I mean, how heavy were some of those boulders you were pushing around? Yeah, that, I was lifting 150 to 200 pounders and rolling around some north of that. That there there was some I couldn't move, and I had to incorporate them into the lower part of the wall. I could move them, but I couldn't get them out of my way. So yeah. I I built with them. And 
Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it was a big, big move. Absolutely. But I, but I felt like big moves is what it would take. And if, if they didn't come together, well, they didn't come together, but if they did, you know, you were in the running. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I mean, huge fucking calorie, excuse me, huge calorie output. And uh, yeah, big decision for sure. Could have broke me. Yeah. It looked, it looked uncomfortable watching you build that thing. Uh, there was a lot of work involved there. Yeah, um, I, I, I don't think nobody can do that again. It was that much work involved. Good luck. Yeah. Well, it, it you know, it played to your advantage too because stone holds more heat than, say, like logs or, or any kind of insulation. And so, did you ever actually get uncomfortably cold in Rock House? Yeah. I mean, the, the, there was the stretch of hyper cold. Like the, the, the show really concentrated on the first 50 days. And then the last 50 days were crammed into the long episode at the end, which was awesome. And I think the one before that. So, you know, there was a lot of time spent in Rock House. We had two weeks at, at the end in the very cold. There there was two weeks and we didn't have thermometers or, you know, nothing, no books, no, no, anything. No, we had no clue what was happening in the outside world. So we didn't know the temperature, but I know how 40 below feels. And we had 10 days or so, 12 days of, of in the 30s below, 35 below probably. And, and uh, I mean, it was getting pretty damn cold in Rock House. And then, and then... You know, the last two days of that, I even, I, 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 I called this on camera, but they didn't use it. I said, it feels to me like we've hit, we've hit 40 below. Mm. And I, I believe we did there for a couple nights at the very end of the hyper cold. And that's kind of where Callie had to come out. Uh, God bless her. She was great. But that hyper cold was, it, it wasn't warm in Rock House, I guarantee you. Well, yeah. And what did she make it to like day 80 something? She yeah. was 89, I believe. 89. And she get, she had to, like, you guys have these medical checks. How often do those actually happen? You really don't know. They spring them on you whenever they feel like. Okay. Well, they checked her and, you know, they had checked her previously. I think you could go back and find out that, you know, she had some frostbite on her toes. And it just kept getting worse. And the temperatures kept dropping. And finally, they just had to pull her. And I don't know if she would have made it 100 days. She was certainly a, a great competitor, but she didn't have the, the big game kill that you had and was really relying on, on rabbits, essentially, to, to survive. So I don't know if she'd have made it another 11 days, but she certainly was a fierce competitor on the show. Oh, I'm telling you, what a gal. What a gal. No doubt about that. Uh, we do need to work in a quick break. I want to come back and get into the musk ox kill the way that that went down was so primal and unbelievable, to be honest. Uh, are you cool to stick around for another segment or two? Oh, yeah, man. Let's break, and I'll hit you afterward. Good deal. And that segment was brought to you by Lone Star Ag Credit. You know, land's the one thing they're not making any more of. Whether you're in the Arctic or in Texas, doesn't matter. Uh, there's a limited supply. But if you're ready to make your dream of having your own place to hunt, fish, recreate, get the hell out of the big city, even run cattle. Lone Star Ag Credit has you covered. They've been doing this for over 100 years. They'll take care of you, and you can find them 
at LoneStarAdCredit.com. We'll be right back with more from Alone Season 7 winner Roland Welker on the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Never said too much about home or the bruises on his back. I asked him about him one time, but he never answered back. Yeah, William, you grew up hard and mean. Dallas Off-Road is North Texas' trusted 4x4 shop, specializing in lifts, wheels, tires, exterior upgrades, and gears and drivetrains. I recently took my factory Z71 Silverado into Dallas Off-Road, and they handed me back a lifted beast of a truck that will get me around the deer lease or just as easily tackle a perilous mountain road on my way to a backcountry elk hunt. Dallas Off-Road owner Jeff Swope is an avid hunter and gun enthusiast, so you'll have a lot to discuss when you swing by the shop or give them a call. Visit DallasOffRoad.com for all your truck or Jeep customization needs. In the market for a compact track loader, then check out the Bobcat Advantage, where Bobcat track loaders squared off against other brands in a variety of tests and challenges. Whether you're looking for performance advantages, uptime protection, or quality design, Bobcat compact track loaders are the best-built machines in the industry. But don't take our word for it. Watch the videos at BobcatAdvantage.com or see Bobcat machines in person at Bobcat of North Texas in Louisville, Fort Worth, Cedar Hill, Longview, McKinney, Paris, and Sherman. Visit BobcatOfDallas.com today. I felt the lights on the big, big stages A fire burning in my soul I had those nights where my guitar was raging It's not something you control, little darling It's not something you control One of my favorites from Ray Wiley Hubbard Bringing us back, that is the beauty way I'm Cable Smith, by the way and you are tuned in to SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. We're visiting with Alone Season 7, the Arctic winner, Roland Welker. Uh, he walked out a million dollars richer after spending 100 days in the middle of the Arctic winter all by himself. Uh, pretty unbelievable when you think about the harsh conditions, temperatures, Towards the end of the show, the last couple weeks, 30, 40 below zero. I mean, that is chilly. (laughs) I've never experienced temperatures like that, no doubt. And I've uh, seen some pretty harsh conditions up in British Columbia in the middle of February, trapping, but nothing like this. So we'll pick it back up with Roland momentarily. This segment of the presentation brought to you by First Light and the Sanctuary Set. If you were going to spend time in the Arctic, and actually there were contestants who had first light stuff on uh, in that show, in that season. But if you're going to the Arctic, the sanctuary is going to give you the best bet. And not just the Arctic. If you're sitting where I've used it quite a bit the last couple of years, sitting in a tree in Illinois for an all-day muzzleloader sit uh, during whitetail season, that's pretty dang chilly as well. But Sanctuary will keep you warm, high and dry, no matter the conditions, just layer up. But uh, you can check it out. Sanctuary, two thumbs up, bibs, and jacket. And you can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. Well, Roland, thanks for sticking around. I do want to immediately get into this incredible musk ox kill that you got on camera. And I, I will admit, I'm late to the party on Alone. I started watching season six, 
and Jordan Jonas won that season. He actually took a bull moose, which I believe, and like I said, I haven't watched the other seasons, but I think I read that was the first ever big game kill on a loan. You followed it up on season seven by taking this muskox. So those are the only two big game kills in a loan's seven season history, correct? You're you're exactly right there. Jordan got the moose in season six. That was the first big game kill in the show's history. And then season seven, I got the muskox. That was the second big game kill in a loan history. And you know that is that is that is like key to the whole thing. I mean, without the muskox, I'd have definitely been playing. You know, I I I had other things going on. And I wasn't leaving. I, I was going to have to get pulled. But once I got the muskox, it, it was, you know, obviously a huge advantage. And, and yeah, I, I, I felt like I had this after the muskox. And what day was that? Let's see. I, I believe that was somewhere between 20 and 25. Uh-huh. So the Bears hadn't gone into hibernation yet. And I don't remember, it was multiple miles that you had to truck this thing back to Rock House. I'm sure that was pretty concerning, you know, having gotten the good fortune and skills to, to take a muskox, you've got it on the ground, and now you've got to, which the theme of alone is, once you've, whether it's a rabbit or anything else, once you've harvested it, every other animal is looking for an easy meal, and you've got to protect it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're... You, you, everything's after your fish, you know, birds will get in your net. Fox will steal your rabbits out of the snare. You you can't let that musk ox lay out on the side of the hill and, and think nothing's going to get on it. You know, every, everything from the camp robbers to the bears are, are zoning in on that. It was, without giving away my methods, it, it was a lot of work keeping that thing secured and it took days to get it to rock house I, I was an easy two miles from rock house possibly a little more yeah every 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 hunk of that thing had to be hauled in by main force mm-hmm. yeah well and as far as the hunt itself um you guys are allowed to take a bow it's a, it has to be a recurve correct recurve or you know any, any primitive i had longbow uh-huh. any primitive type bow Okay. And as far as the arrows, are those like factory or homemade or? You, 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 you could go either way on the arrows. Okay. And how many arrows could you bring? Nine arrows, nine arrows and a bow and a quiver. And, and, uh, you were allowed your, your tab, you know, to pull back your string. Yeah. Well, so the, the thing got, I mean, the hunt got really interesting. You'd gotten at least one arrow in, and I don't know how much they show or how much they don't show of that but you you were out of arrows at this point and had to dispatch it with a knife which was the most primal thing you'll ever see on a loan i guarantee you that and how you got that footage was pretty incredible um but you're you've got this muskox he's definitely probably mortally wounded don't know but because like i said i don't know how many arrows you had in him but you have to run in and essentially stab him multiple times to put him down Correct, correct. The stabbing scene was absolutely authentic. The the, the hunting story is too long to tell. I, <laughs> I had an arrow in him, and I broke an arrow, broke the tip, and and so I I was only carrying two arrows that day because I had some other stuff going on. 
And so there I am after all this, you know, trailing him. It, it was a decent hit, but yeah, he was far from dead. Uh, so it's getting late in the day. You know, your daylight's short that time of year. Uh-huh. And I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm observing this thing. He's, he's, he's setting, he's bedded, but I mean, I know I've done so much hunting and, and you yourself and all the hunting experienced people know that these animals, they don't know they're dead. They'll, they'll fight it to the very end, you know? Yeah. And, and so it's getting late and I'm thinking I either got to camp out here with this or I got to go back to rock house and go to sleep and come back in the morning and he might not be there. Yeah. I mean, he's going to die, but you know, he'll wander off. He'll, he'll lay there until, you know, they got that long, long, long wool hair and it'll plug up the wound and you know, he ain't going to make it, but he might muster up enough strength to wander off another half mile without a blood trail and you're done. You know, you ain't going to get him or if you do get him, you'll see the birds on him half mile away and it'll be all messed up and rotten and so anyhow you know all this is going through your head getting dark getting late and i got my belt knife on my hip and i do have a stab or two uh experiencing you know in in the past i've i've actually attached a knife to the thing and, and stabbed a bear one time that i didn't want no more holes in hmm. And and then some other stats too. So anyway, I, I I have done it, but not on nothing quite this big. Yeah, we do it on I'm, barrel hogs down here in Texas. Right, right, yeah, yeah. The hog men will uh, absolutely. But you know the difference some. is when I've stabbed them, someone told them the damn thing's back legs. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and you know you 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 got a buddy or two with you, and you can get to the hospital if you need to. So here I am on the side of the mountain, and, and you know there he is. And there I am, and I got my knife in my hand, and I'm thinking, I, I'm just, you know, this is a million-dollar muskox. He don't even look like a muskox to me. He looks like a pile of money. So <laughs> I got to go in there and secure this animal. And, you know, you see the rest on the TV. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome indeed. It, it, it And I'm, thank God I had the cameras positioned right and enough battery life left. And, and I don't believe that scene can ever be duplicated ever yeah the, the, the season seven is epic they, they're gonna be a long time if they ever do beat season seven thanks to rock house and the million dollar muskox yeah i agree i agree and i like i said i haven't watched the other seasons but i've i my wife and i got into season six and uh and then we well to be honest with you she couldn't stay up one night and i got too far ahead on season seven so i ended up just binge watching it myself and uh but yeah, a couple of my buddies had told me about it, and so we got into it. And yeah, it'll be tough to beat season seven. There's no doubt about that. Um, yeah, absolutely. As far as keeping the meat safe, you built so like historically on alone. Some some of the guys have built raised platforms and have put their meat up there. It, and like I said, there's only been two big game kills, but uh, some people put fish up there. We saw it in season seven. Some of the other guys. Uh, put rabbits, fish, whatever they've got on these raised platforms. Ultimately, wolverines get into those things. And you made some kind of box-like structure out of logs that, that looked wolverine-proof. Did you ever have any animals get in there? Uh, some small rodents, you know, mice yeah. could get in. It, it would be really hard. You you know how it, it, everybody knows you can't keep a mice out of your house, let yeah. alone 
thing in the woods. But yeah, I mean, it it, it did the job. Nothing got in that. Yeah. Um, you used every part of that muskox. You even made a. I'm just going to call it like a man purse out of its ball sack. Uh, yeah. <laughs> which you then would tie to your belt, and you'd carry around various objects throughout the day. Sure, sure. I mean, the the the, the scroll. A- anybody that's done any reading, even even if you've never done it though, but but that that that's a, the Indians would always make pouch out of the nut sack. It's already a pouch, mm-hmm. you know, a large. It, it, it's it's ready to go. It, 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 that that was kind of elementary. Well, you know, and then one day you're putting uh, the uh, mushed up brain in there and use that as like a brain balm on your face and hands and oiled your gloves with it. Um, mm-hmm. Things that you didn't see other contestants doing. Again, elementary. Do your reading. Spend some time in the woods. It's, it, it wasn't that big of a deal. The um, the brain on the on the face like i i guess that's protecting you from the wind and sun elements obviously uh it, it just felt good it it was kind of after the fact you know my face and hands were sore and yeah. it felt good to get it on there <laughs> right on Ron, how important ultimately it was a million dollar muskox but how important were fishing and trapping in your success during season 7 Oh, all important till I got the muskox. That's how I was eating. Yeah, I mean, fishing and trappings, right up there with big game kill. Absolutely, every little step of the way, every little key is is important. And then, other than those, than fishing and, and snares, the only other thing I saw you kill was a porcupine. Correct? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And you decided not to use an arrow. I think you just dispatched it with an axe. They're pretty slow-moving animals, but full of fat. Oh, I, uh, the porcupine's a great survival animal. There, there's there's dry animals and there's fat animals, and the porcupine is a fat animal. And I, I just I just went and cut a club for that particular oh, kill. That's right. that, that that's my preferred method of dispatch. Of many critters, and especially the porcupine, I didn't see the sense in flinging an arrow at him when I can smash him. Right, right. Uh, fat is a common theme for the Alone series. It's it's that vital. As as you guys are essentially, you know, wasting away, um, some more than others. But I don't see anyone coming out of Alone like having gained weight. Everyone looks pretty thin. So is the is the I mean, it keeps getting mentioned over and over again. I got to get some fat. I got to get some fat. Yeah. The show shows us that over and over again. Is that really what you guys are thinking or is that part of it overblown? Oh, no, no, that, that, that is not overblown by any means. And fat grease will be the theme for every cold weather show there is. And alone is a cold weather show. So, I mean, we're not going to, we're not overdoing the fat thing. It ain't going nowhere. That, that goes clear down through history. I mean, you got to have it. <laughs> the colder it gets, the more you got to have. Yeah. Which the muskox is pretty lean. So you, you weren't getting a lot of fat. Um, you know, once you'd consume the organs and stuff like that, just the meat itself is, is a, it's a very lean animal. The meat of that muskox was dry, dry, dry. Once the fat was gone, 
you boil a pot of meat and there would be no fat on, on the water, you know, no, no skim of fat at all. It would just be meat fragments and water. I mean, absolutely no fat. Yeah, musk ox is on the lean side. It's yeah. not a fat animal by any means. They have all that wool, you know, they got a giant coat that, yeah. that assists them. They, they're not, they didn't evolve up fatty. Which, what did you do with that hide? I pinned it to the top of Rock House because I didn't want it to uh, just freeze. You know, if it froze up folded, it, it would, you know, you'd have a hell of a time sawing it out and getting it apart. So I left it spread. My show, it wasn't big enough. To, at first I had it, uh, first I had to clean it. You know, it was full of uh, gristle and, and such that I wanted. And then eventually, long process but eventually i i got it up on the roof and and when it would get real cold my plan was to get it down and and get me through the hyper cold and and a couple of nights i damn near wrestled that thing down but <laughs> i made it through and, and I, I did not use that well there's no doubt i would have been wrapped up in that thing uh, but i'm not as grizzled a a cold weather warrior as yourself um, we are going to take a break. I want to come back and get into some of the other things that you ate in order to survive 100 days in the Arctic. Uh, we'll do that after the break. That segment was brought to you by the new Lone Star Beer, Das Beer Peach Kolsch. Man, finally got my hands on some of this stuff. And so if you're a fan of German-style Kolsches, this is the beer for you. Check it out. It's the Das Beer from Lone Star Beer, the national beer of Texas. We'll be right back with more from a lone season seven winner, Roland Welker, on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. I see a coyote sneaking As he crawls through the brush on the hill And the eagle screams down Stay close to the ground Man walks among us, be still, be still. Texas Premium Power Sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call Chad at 830-776-3605. This is Randy Newberg with Federal Premiums Fresh Tracks with Randy Newberg. Thanks for listening to the Lone Outdoor TV show. <laughs> Radio show. Yeah, just the Lone Star Outdoor show. Well, I ought to be drilling for that black gold Swimming in that Texas tea I can make a killing all on my own Selling my misfortune to a family Cause when I hit rock bottom The deeper down I go 
Cable Smith, welcoming each and every one of you back to the Lone Star Outdoors show. Digging Holes, the name of that one from Brent Cobb. Uh, thanks to our title sponsor, SCI, as well as Lone Star Beer, longtime presenting sponsor of the program. Um, we're about to pick it back up with Alone, Season 7, the Arctic Champion, the 100-day uh, challenge, the winner of a million bucks, Roland Welker. But before we do that, this segment brought to you by the Vortex Diamondback HD Spotting Scope Series. If you don't have one of these bad boys, you need to pick one up because for 500 bucks, you're not going to find a better spotting scope. It's got the performance and features that you would expect from Vortex without a huge price tag. Plus, the you break it, they fix it, VIP warranty, the best in the business, no questions asked, also transferable. Uh, so it's, li- it's a lifetime warranty. And that's only available from Vortex. Vortex, the force of optics. All right. Uh, well, Roland, thanks for sticking around, man. There were some things, I mean, obviously we talked about the, the muskox and how important that was in your quest to make it 100 days in the Arctic all alone. But there were some things that you did eat that I would describe as probably pretty unsavory. And what was the name of that root that you stockpiled inside of Rock House? Yeah, that that was uh, the fireweed root. And, you know, some people can eat it and some can't. It, 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 can, uh, it, it can cause some pretty intense nausea if you're not geared right. But I am geared right. I don't get sick, and I I can eat some pretty nasty stuff. <laughs> what was the nastiest thing you ate? <sighs> I don't know. A couple of them squirrels were pretty gross, and and uh, that fireweed root was not palatable at all. And then the ant thing, and and you know there there was some questionable mushrooms that I. <laughs> I don't know. I I, I just kind of, I don't I don't worry about stuff like a lot of other people. Yeah. I eat it and and go. What was the lowest point? I for ate you? stuff that make a bear puke. Yeah, I think you ate some intestine, like the. I can't remember if that was you. I think it was though. Like. Yeah, I ate some gut. You bet. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the moment I was like, the, yep, he's gonna win, no doubt. If he's eating that, this. Oh, 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 you're, you're talking about the stomach content. Yes. Yes. the stu- mm-hmm. Not just like the intestines, like, you know, we, that's a pretty traditional Hispanic preparation. And Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. You, absolutely. Right. You, you, you can go to a taco stand, uh, a Mexican taco stand along the road and get tripe taco. Yeah, absolutely. And I love them, but you actually mm-hmm. just got the contents out and ate that, which I was like, okay, he, this is in the bag. He's going to win. <laughs> I, I I I can eat anything, dude. I, I can uh, eat stuff that'll make you throw up. Yeah, I think I would have thrown up on that one. What was the uh, <laughs> What was the lowest point of the hundred days for you? Ah, uh, man, there was so you know. It, it's like the 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 best description of all that I believe was Kylan. It was Kylan, you know, the the other female mm-hmm. that, that went the distance and. And she described, you know, your highs and lows out there is, is as high as it can get, and then your low is as low as it can get. Um, in 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 this life, and and that was a she did a real good job of describing that. So 
my lowest point, man, I, I can't, I don't know if I can pick one out because it, uh, it, there's so many, you know, you're low, low, low. And then all of a sudden you're high, high, high. Probably, you know, when I finally got ice up and wanted to do some ice fish and I still had all the muskox, but man, I was sure hungry for some fish. And I, I really could, I didn't score a fish through the ice and, and that bothered me. I didn't like that. So that was probably my low point. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Kylan ultimately left. I mean, I think she mentally just couldn't hack it anymore. Physically, she seemed like she was going, but I think she just missed human interaction. And uh, I'm not sure if that, if that really even bothered you. That is an edge, another edge I have. I do not need a lot of human interaction. Uh, I'd actually prefer to be alone. I, uh, other people bother me. Other people don't <laughs> get it right. You know, leave yeah. me alone and I'm good. Right, right. Um, how has your life changed since season seven of Alone aired? Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know yet on that. It has because I'm, um, you know, I'm doing stuff like this, working the phone a little more than I ever did, and and you know, I had to come become a little more tech savvy just to run the cameras and everything. And and uh, I, I I had a real nice loop established sort of lifestyle, and and now it is evolving into something I don't know yet. But I am gonna pursue this and you know i'm taking all comers whatever goes from here i'm i'm in brother i'm in so yeah it's going to change for sure but i'm basically still the same prick i always been (laughs) man well just in watching season seven it was it wasn't a surprise to see who was left standing at the end um i i gotta give it props to the two females that ultimately had more piss and vinegar than, than the rest of the guys on the show. Uh, Cause they finished uh, second and third and Callie and, and Kylan. Uh, but it was no surprise when you walked away with the, uh, the million dollars and, and I'm sure for you, yeah, it was about the money, but just being able to say that you could do it and proving it to yourself, I think probably was a, was a big, deter- you know, a big factor for you. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, the money was definitely the end goal, but I also wanted that 100-day title to, you know, you hear me go into this on the show. I represent the old-timers. You know, some people call themselves survival experts. Some people are preppers. Some people are gearheads. But I consider myself a woodsman. You know, you can turn me loose in the woods with my pack and my axe and my fire starter and I'll make it. And, and, you know, the woodsmen have opened up that that's who opened up this country to, to bring it to the point of the greatest civilization in the world, the old timers and the woodsmen. And I always felt kindred to them. Absolutely. And my whole family's always, you know, been in logging and mining, small time logging and mining in central Pennsylvania. And, you know, those lifestyles are under attack in this big green wave that's threatening to overtake mankind and and Uh all our sanity and so i wanted to stand up for the old timers that made this country people i mean you can say what you want but 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 we made it and so the the title was uh very dear to me and then the money was you know second in line i wanted that money i went into this thing 
fully charged up and and then the lord put the resources within my grasp praise his holy name and jesus christ as far as uh callie and kylan i can't say enough good things about their performance those are great gals yeah yeah well my friend it's sad that it's over as from a consumer standpoint um it was great to watch season seven very entertaining you uh you set out with this goal in mind and you accomplished it what one thing i did want to ask you though was wrapping up what was your body weight going in and, and coming out yeah i i don't know if i i quite want to get into hard numbers on that we we like to leave some some mystery involved with the show but i I did you looked pretty lean you posted some photos i I was lean i was lean and mean i was too lean and mean uh but if if you if you look into history and 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 observe the photographs of some of the old 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 timers even even if they weren't totally living off the land but just some of the old farmers the the old hillbilly kind of hill farmers and and things from the 1800s and even the early 1900s the, the depression people Mm-hmm. And 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 you see pictures of these people without a shirt or with short sleeves on, or in death without their shirt on. You know the 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 death pictures. Those people were skinny. They were emaciated compared to us. We are living so fat these days. You know our poor are crying. Hello, man. Our poor is doing better than than you know middle class people in the Great Depression. So. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of fat on society, and there's a lot of fat on everybody, even me. So we that goes back to my respect for the old timers. And as far as uh, you know, everybody's sad to see season seven over. At me as well. There's season eight right around the corner, man. This thing's still trucking. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, at the end of the day, it's a product that History Channel's putting out, and it's one that uh, I'm a big fan and consumer of. Uh, here recently, plan on going back and watching the uh, other five seasons and then looking forward to season eight. One thing that you keep mentioning is the old timers, and I want to harp on that for a second because it's trapping, Roland, that ultimately pushed westward expansion, by and large the beaver pelt trade. Um, So yeah, you're absolutely right. It wasn't gold. It wasn't anything else. It wasn't silver. It was fur that uh, initially pushed people west across North America. You bet, you bet. It's a big part of the American dream, the quest for fur, and, and there's still millions of us living it, you know, from the kid that wants to catch his first raccoon to the guy that's in his prime trying to catch a thousand coyotes, you know, and and, now, and fur prices are so down, there's not enough people wearing fur, mm-hmm. but it's it's in our blood to go put this fur on the market, and, and you know, we, we hearken back to the old ways, you betcha. Well, and you have a phrase, you know, you say you got to get woodsy. And I think you even have that on T-shirts these days. Oh, yeah, yeah. If you want to get woodsy, go buy my shirt on my <laughs> website, www.rollingwelker.com. And I'm going to have me a woodsy, uh, you know, survival class. There, there's lots of people teaching survival classes. If you go to that website, you're going to see me pitch my survival class. You know, I I, I got something to offer everybody in the survival realm i guarantee you boys plus you get to hang out with the 100 day king <laughs> right on sounds like a blast and an educational one at that uh roland i certainly appreciate your time you're even on instagram now i'm sure that wasn't uh, a thing before alone but folks can find you i think it's at 
uh, last Bushman. Is that correct? It might be. You know, I, I got people helping <laughs> me with that. They get me on and off there. So. Right, right. Yeah, just punch my name in someplace and see what happens. And if you want to go on a hunt or if you want to go get woodsy on the survival thing, what you we want people that that are serious. I ain't calling you up if you're just, you know, curious. But yeah, if if you want to want to hunt or get woodsy, I'll give you a shout. Awesome. Well, hey man, I certainly appreciate your time rolling. And I don't know what life has in store for you, but I'm sure it's good things down the road. Oh man, we're we're taking all comers, whatever comes up. We're we're ready for the next challenge. All right, buddy. Well, hey, congrats and thanks for your time. All right, hello Texas, and thanks for having me. So there you have it, season seven alone champion Roland Welker, the last Bushman. Uh, and I'll tell you this, just. Search his name on, on the internet. All sorts of stuff comes up of him trapping wolves in Alaska. I mean, the guy definitely is as woodsy as they come, and I think his success on the show is uh, certainly the result of that. Uh, by the way, don't forget that all seven seasons of Alone you can check out on uh, the History Channel's website and get ready for season eight because it'll be coming out in 2021. Uh, that segment was proudly brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. They've got locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. They've been taking care of me for a long time. Proud to call Josh and Becky Gunther my good friends. And they're also amazing wildlife artists who answer the phone when you call and do great work with quick turnaround time. Imagine that. You can find them at GR, the number eight mounts for your next trophy. Man, looking at the clock, we gotta go, gotta get out of here. Thanks to Roland Welker as well as Kelly Ralston of the American Sport Fishing Association. We'll be back with a new show next week. Uh, thanks to all of you guys and gals for being a part of the Lone Star Outdoor Show. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making it possible. Until then, I'm Cable Smith saying, y'all have a great week in the outdoors. I'm sure you knew when I bit off more than I could chew. But do it all